Amen. God's good. Okay. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. We've been working our way through the Gospel of John. We've been methodically, uh, we've trekked through the first 17 chapters. And, and we'll begin diving into chapter 18 uh, after the first, of, first Sunday, uh, probably on the first Sunday of January. Next Sunday, the last Sunday of 2015, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer to you um, some prophetic insights for 2016. Um, I've gotten away from it a little bit, but um, for many years it's been my custom to just seek God at the end of the year and see what, what revelation, what prophetic insights he might give to me for the coming year. So uh, that's what I'll be, I'll be sharing with you next week. So you can pray for me this week as I seek God and, and listen to what he, he would have to say. And there'll probably some, be some personal prophetic words afterwards. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads. This morning, we do something a little bit different. Being that today is the last Sunday before Christmas, I thought I'd offer you a Christmas-themed message, something a little bit less intense than I, than I usually uh, give to you, a lighthearted message to kind of send us off into the Christmas week. Something I rarely do. I don't like, really, to do holiday-themed messages, but I don't know, I kind of felt to go that way uh, this week. Um, and sometimes inspiration comes in unexpected ways. So let me tell you a, a little story, a little bit of my name, Nadine's personal history. So 35 years ago, you got to be old if you could tell stories that begin with 35 years ago. <laughs> 35 years ago, Nadine and I were part of a Christian band and the name of the band was Sunseed, S-O-N, that was our logo, S-O-N-S-E-E-D. Some of you guys are probably aware of this. It was a large group of extremely talented musicians and singers. Is there? There's a group picture. Can you find the Zawackis in that picture? It means on the end, there's a white shirt on, and I'm, I'm the last guy on the far end of the piano. I have hair and no beard. It's almost hard. You can't see which one, which one I am? Okay, uh, there are three guys, four guys leaning on the piano. I'm the one to the to the father's right. No glasses. No glasses. Aunt, my, my arms are folded on top of the piano. You see? Yeah. So that that was Sunseed, and members had kind of changed out over the years, but we had a we had a large group of people on the stage uh, when we would perform. I, uh, back in the day, I played percussion instruments and did a little bit of singing. Uh, Nadine helped out in countless ways. We had t-shirts and albums and buttons, and we'd sell all that stuff. And so she would do that, and she'd keep the girls away from me. I was young, and we were dating, and we got married. And, and so me, me, and, me and Sal, right? What'd you say, babe? She mocked her territory. Have all the groupies away. And so it was, it was a fun season of life. We were young. We had a good time. Um, we had gained some local notoriety, especially in, in uh, the Brooklyn, New York area. We would perform concerts for five, six, seven hundred people, sometimes more, on a regular basis. We recorded one album titled First Fruit. There might be a picture of that. That's what our, our one and only album looked like. And on the back of it has all the credits. And I think we still have one of these somewhere. I put a couple of arrows. The, the uh, graphic quality's 
little bit poor, but there's my name and, and Nadine's name on, on the back of it. We, we still have one of those somewhere, don't we, kid? I think, I think we do. And um, the, the band, um, as it grew, in no, I'm getting somewhere with the story. <laughs> the band had grown in some notoriety that uh, we were invited to appear on a Sunday morning Christian television program called The First Estate that used to air Sundays at 11 a.m. on uh, NBC, Channel 4 in, in New York City. And, um, and they asked that we would perform one of our songs, and the name of the song is Jesus is a Friend of Mine. Now, uh, we're going to show the video. It's only about three minutes long. You ought to get a good kick out of it. I'm not in the video. Evidence that G the name of the song is Jesus is a Friend of Mine. Evidence that Jesus is a Friend of Mine is that I'm not in the video. So why don't we watch the video, and I'll tell you a little <laughs> bit more of the story. Jesus, right? <laughs> one hit wonder. Yeah, it was a one hit wonder. Hilariously funny. So, so that was like 35 years ago. Um, we were 
the, the band was on that program. This, the stage in the studio was so small they couldn't fit the whole band, so just some of us went, and I was like, I don't really need to be on TV. But if you listen carefully, you hear Conrad Jones back there, and, and boy, that's your pastor. Anyway, so, so all these years ago, we're in this band, and, you know, and is the nature of bands that last for a while, and, and then it broke up. But um, lo and behold, in 2008, some blogger had a VHS tape of what you just saw, and somehow created a digital copy of it, and he put it up on his blog. And lo and behold, the video goes viral. <laughs> it goes viral. There have been, if you, if you type in Sunseed or Jesus is a friend of mine on YouTube, it's had, between the different um, clips of it, like 10 million views. 10 million people have watched this, right? It's crazy. So back then, after this goes up on YouTube, now you got to remember, uh, when we did this, Nadine and I, we got married while we were in the band over those years. And then we had albums, we had cassette tapes. Of course, we, we had way too many of them in the house. So that song, Jesus is a Friend of Mine, has got a catchy little ditty to it, right? So we would put the cassette tape in the car, and, um, and my son loved, of all the songs, he loved that one. He'd like, play it again, Mommy, play it again. So she'd have to rewind the cassette tape. This is showing my age, right? And she'd play it over again. So my kids knew Sunsea. They knew the songs. My son especially knows this one. So now it's 2008 or 2009. Eight million. Eight million. And that's just on the first one that's up there, right? There, there are other listings. So there's been, you know, like somewhere around 10 million views, and I can't even tell you how many times this song has been covered. It was on TV shows like Glee. They had sung it, and also uh, Community. They did Jesus as a friend of mine, a comedy called Community. It's like, this is crazy. It, because it had just it blown up. It had gone viral online. So somewhere around 2008 or 2009, I get a phone call one afternoon from my son. He says, Dad, he says, are you sitting down? <laughs> I says, why? He, he works in Hollywood, right? So he's on a set uh, somewhere, and he says, during a break, he says, he sees a bunch of people around a laptop, and, he's, and, he's, and he hears this music in the background. He's like, how do I know that song? It's been a long time for him, but it was in his head, right? He, he knew this song. And as he gets closer, it's like the memory's coming back, and he sees the faces, and he knows some of these people. The guy with the beard, that's to my son, that's Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy was in my wedding party. He's like one of my oldest and dearest friends, and he's looking at the video. He's like, oh, dear God, please let Dad be in the video. <laughs> please let Dad be in the video. But like I said before, Jesus is my friend, and so I'm not in the video. And so um, it was great fun. I had people, I had some youth group in, uh, in the U.K. contact me because there was this big debate among the youth group members. Was Sunsea real or was it a hoax? That it, it had... It was cheesy. I mean, it's screaming like late 70s, early 80s, right, between the music and the look. But there was also enough uh, quality to it that it was like, did somebody, like, decide that they were going to do this? And so there was some big debate in, in the U.K., some church youth group, a youth pastor got in touch with me. He's like, kids are actually fighting. It's fake. It's real. I was like, it was real. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell you. <laughs> It was actually real, but there, there were some great memories, and way too many of those people have gone home to the Lord uh, by now, but some of us still keep in touch, and so this week, one of the guys from, uh, from Sunseed, he wasn't on stage either. Um, he, um, 
he seems to have collected all of the uh, uh, files, audio files, uh, video files that, that the band had over the years. And, uh, and so he sent out from a live concert that we did at Christmas time, we had done our own version of 12 Days of Christmas. And it was hilariously funny. And so he sent me a file, he sent all of us, the, all the, the, the remaining living members of Sunsea. He sent us a, an email. And so it was nice just to touch base and I got to listen to the 12 Days of Christmas. So all of that, um, it, was, it was a nice trek down, down memory lane. And it just kind of put on my heart to, to do a le- little research into of the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. And so um, that's what I want to share uh, with you this morning, is uh, from that famous Christmas carol. And so I had done some research on The Twelve Days of Christmas. I had recalled hearing that the song had some deeper meaning. Uh, so I went searching for what that deeper meaning was, something deeper than the, the simple, nonsense, really secular Christmas song that is usually associated with children. And so in my research, I, I discovered that some uh, suggest that the song, uh, the purpose of the song was for Christian instruction, a, a simple way, a simple and a fun way for people to remember uh, points of their, their catechism. And it, I couldn't find an original author or even a date of its writing, but it seems to go back, uh, during, dating back to the 16th century, when there were religious wars going on in England between Catholics and Protestants. Um, and uh, and that the, the story goes that there were references, hidden references, uh, with basic teaching of the Christian faith uh, in this song. It was to be used as a way for children uh, to remember, uh, and even adults too, to remember some of the finer points of, like I said before, uh, catechism. Now, in my research, some say that that's the case, and others say it's not the case. Um, I'm not going to argue for either historical position today. Being a fan of simile and analogy and metaphor, I'm simply going to enjoy sharing with you what I've discovered to be some of the hidden messages, hidden Christian messages uh, attached to the song lyrics. And you can decide for yourself. And then we'll end uh, this morning's service by actually singing the 12 Days of Christmas. The worship team was you know, gladly uh, willing to accommodate uh, their pastor's request. <laughs> so, the 12 Days of Christmas. As the song begins on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. In the song, um, historically, it says that the true love is our true love. It's, it's our first love that... It's God. It's, it's God the Father is the true love. And, and the me being referred to is us. It's you and me. Our true love God has given to us. Uh, our true love has given to me. Us, the, uh, the, the objects of his divine affection. And the first day, he gave us the finest gift of all. He gave us a partridge and a pear tree. Oh, that is working. I knew they were little animated uh, pictures there. So there's your partridge in what's supposed to be a pear tree. Looks a little bit more like a parrot to me, but I'm, you know, I'm no zoologist. I, I don't know. And so the partridge in a pear tree, metaphorically, is supposed to represent Christ, the Son of God, on the cross. It said that in the song, Christ is symbolically presented or representing a mother partridge who would, who would sometimes fake injury to be a decoy 
when predators came around to protect her uh, helpless uh, nestlings. Um, and the verse that's attached to it is from Luke 13, uh, 34. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I would have sheltered you under my wing as a hen does her chicks, but you would not have it so. And so that's some of the connected storyline to the first day of Christmas. The second day of Christmas is, is two turtle doves. And these two turtle doves are metaphorically representative of the Old and the New Testaments, uh, which together bear witness to God's self-revelation throughout history and uh, the creation of a people to tell God's story uh, to the world. The third day of Christmas represents, um, which are three French hens, represents the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And we get these from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Right? First, second, third day of Christmas. The fourth day of Christmas. Uh, on the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four calling birds. And the four calling birds represent the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which proclaim uh, the good news of God's reconciliation to the world, uh, to himself, in Christ Jesus. Uh, just a little aside, some, some of the research I, I found uh, said that there is, a, from the early 1900s, a, an American version of the song, and earlier English versions uh, have something other than the American version. The American version has four calling birds from back in early 1900s. The earlier versions have, English versions have collie birds or blackbirds. Apparently there are other versions as well. So if you're an aficionado of the 12 days of Christmas, I just want you to know that I'm aware of the fact that the one you favor may not have four calling birds. I don't think we'll have any arguments on the 12th days of Christmas, but I just want to have full disclosure. <laughs> I've been a pastor and teacher for a long time. Let me tell you, you'll not believe the things that... Uh, anyway. <laughs> Lighthearted Christmas message today. So, the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden rings, and these represent the five... The first five books of the Old Testament, sometimes known as the Torah or the Pentateuch, and they are Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which gives a history of humanity's downfall and God's response of grace to it. The sixth uh, day of Christmas, my true love gave to me six geese laying, representing six days of creation, uh, declaring God as creator and sustainer, of the universe, obviously uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 1. The seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans of swimming, and these seven swimming swans <laughs> represent the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit represented in Romans chapter 12, which are prophet, servant, teacher, exhorter, giver, ruler, and mercy. And those verses are Romans 12, 6 to 8, which say, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, 
Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So that's the seventh day of Christmas. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eight maids of milking. And the eight maids of milking uh, represent the eight Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 10. (laughs) And those eight Beatitudes are blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, (laughs) the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, which may happen after this message. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) So, you know, for those of you who have taken the dream classes I've taken, I didn't come up with these. And they're not based on any of the dream stuff I've taught before. I've just done research, and I thought it would be fun to share with you. Um, <laughs> so please don't come up to me after and say, okay, so how the eight maids of milk and, you know, are a metaphor for the attitudes? I have no idea. You know, there's eight, and there's eight days, and so that's probably how they got there. <laughs> On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nine ladies dancing. That's some heck of a gift, you know? <laughs> And they represent the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. And uh, those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those verses are, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Forbearance. Some have it as, uh, some have forbearance as uh, faithfulness. Some have it as uh, long suffering. I remember hearing John Wimber teach years ago. He said, I did a word study on long suffering. He said, You know what it means? He said, It means to suffer for a long time. <laughs> That's what long suffering means. <laughs> on the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten lords a leaping. And they represent the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'll never hear this song the same way again. They represent the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20, the first 17 verses, and they are, You shall have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol. Do not take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and do not covet. On the 11th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 11 pipers piping. And so the, uh, this represents the 11 faithful apostles from uh, Luke 6, 14 to 16. Those are Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, uh, Judas, uh, the son of James. Just interesting, right? You have Simon Peter, 
We all know who Simon Peter is. Most of us, we don't really know who Simon the Zealot is. But could you imagine who this guy was? If you got Simon Peter in your group, and there's someone else that you're calling Simon the Zealot, right? How zealous does that guy have to be if, you know, Simon Peter doesn't get the name Simon the Zealot? I'm thinking that must have been one wild dude to hang around. Anyway. This list does not include the 12th disciple, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus uh, to the religious leaders and to the Romans. And neither does it include his uh, replacement, Matthias, uh, who you find in in Acts chapter 1. And it brings us to the final day, the 12th day of Christmas. And on the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 12 drummers drumming. And um, what they represent are the 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. Most of you are probably familiar uh, with it, where it says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. That he was conceived by power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. Number four, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried, and he descended into hell. Five, on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Six, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Seven, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Eight, in the Holy Catholic Church. Nine, the communion of saints. Ten, the forgiveness of sins. Eleven, the resurrection of the body. And twelve, life everlasting. So that's the 12th day of Christmas. So, so there you have it there. The hidden messages behind the popular Christmas carol are the 12 days of Christmas. In my research, I stumbled upon an article written by Mr. Dennis Bratcher and concerning this song and, its, and the hidden meaning uh, behind it, Mr. Bratcher says, perhaps when all is said and done, historical accuracy, as important as it might be on one level, is not really the point. Perhaps more important is that Christians can celebrate their rich heritage and God's grace through one more avenue during the Advent and Christian Christmas seasons. Now when they hear what they once thought was only a secular nonsense song, they'll be reminded in one more way of the grace of God working in transforming ways in their lives and in our world. I think he makes a pretty good point there. So, um, so let's uh, close this morning's uh, service by actually singing the 12 days of Christmas, if I can have you guys come on back up. And uh, why don't we stand and sing together. And just to, just to remind you, we will have a Christmas Eve service Thursday at 6.30 p.m. right here in the Farm Center. Uh, if you can join us, all are welcomed. And if I don't get to see you between now and Christmas from my family, to your family and on behalf of the Charlottetown Vineyard. Uh, may God bless you and uh, have a very Merry Christmas.